0: I'm Andy Stevenson and if this is your first time listening, then welcome to A Winning Mindset, Lessons from the Paralympics, brought to you by the International Paralympic Committee and their long-standing partner, Alliance. You're about to hear my chat with Breaking Bad actor RJ Mitty, who has cerebral palsy and worked at the Rio Paralympics for British broadcaster Channel 4. As you listen to this episode, please do subscribe And then you can hear my previous conversations with Paralympic stars such as Tatiana McFadden, Johnny Peacock and Grace Wembalua. Our aim is that these podcasts can help you in your own personal and professional life. You'll be introduced to people who can inspire and change the way you think with their stories of facing life's challenges and the true power of having the right team behind you. So let's hear now from RJ Mitty as we discuss sport, disability, and some recent high-profile controversies in the film industry. RJ, it's great to speak to you again. We, uh, we worked together on the Rio Paralympics. We were both involved with the British broadcaster Channel 4 before I moved across to BBC Radio. Now, you hadn't been to a Paralympics before, and, and that's really why you were hired in some ways, to give that fresh perspective on things. But had you been aware of the Paralympics at all growing up?
1: I had, and it's great to catch up, Andy. It was such a pleasure being able to work with everyone uh, during that period of time and and uh, and and growth, really, for the Paralympics. And you know, I grew up. I have cerebral palsy for for anyone that's that's listening that doesn't know. So, um, the disability world is very. Um, is very familiar to me. And growing up, I watched the Olympics, but but I also watched the Paralympics. I I hung around to the end. And uh, it was always amazing to see feats that so many people believed were impossible that are actually possible. And it really actually changed my life um, when it came to perspective and just meeting all these athletes and and seeing this true strength of of valor and and determination in everyone.
0: I remember I spent most of my time reporting on the wheelchair basketball and it seemed like every time I turned around, you were there in the stand next to me as well. So was the basketball your favorite sport to watch and what other highlights do you remember of of the Rio games?
1: Uh, Oh, so many highlights. You know, basketball was one of my favorites. It, you know, it's super aggressive. People don't realize how aggressive uh, wheelchair basketball is. It's almost a full contact sport, so I was very keen on seeing it and watching it. And Do you remember that upset? I I'm, I am can't... I remember it was like towards the end. You were there.
0: You're going to test me here. You're going to say, do you remember that match, Andy? And I'm going to go, oh, no, I'm not sure I do. You remember that one actually.
1: match out of, the, <laughs> out of the hundred matches that we saw? That one... It was a close one. <laughs> and, you know, I, I spent a lot of time at um, the basketball games. Um, I went to judo, went to track, did the did the, the whole gambit. You know, like the one thing that really caught me, not just the, the athletes, but the kids and the parents that were bringing their kids to the Paralympic Games, they they were in awe because so many people don't realize how amazing it is to To have a disability. I know people don't really think about the positive aspects of having a disability, but for me, I, I focus on the positive aspects because it's a personal challenge. And, you know, we all have these challenges in our lives, but when you have a personal one, it makes you strive even harder. So every match that I went to, every, every, every game I saw wasn't just a, a, a race to win. It was a race for for who they were as individuals to shine and it was a fight to the death on every part (laughs)
0: I've talked before I mean you you know you've obviously been with me you see me you know I was born with no hands I have a very visible disability as in some ways I I guess you do when when people stop and stare because this is something I've spoken about before when you're at the Paralympics you can almost just relax because you're surrounded by so many disabled people not just the athletes but spectators officials you know all sorts of people and I I never get the impression at a Paralympic Games that people are staring at you in the same way they would outside of the of the Paralympics. Did you feel that yourself as you walked around?
1: Well, I I didn't feel any any era disability. I didn't see disability in this. I you know it, it just felt like we were at a we were at this pinnacle of of athleticism event. You know, it wasn't like a, oh this is a disabled event. You know, with a bunch of disabled people. No, this was. This was a, a triathlon. This was a, a, a basketball championship. This was a judo. This was a, a power struggle. you know It wasn't like, oh, these are a bunch of disabled people. I, I didn't I, it took me out of disability actually. It took me away from the mindset of, of that and like my own disability. and I was just like, look at these amazing individuals that are that are breaking world records. That are that are defining physical abilities, and for me, I, I think that was something that really was just an, an an awe to just see so many amazing athletes that I I couldn't ever compete with. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're we're going to talk about lots of different things with you over the next uh, forty minutes or so, I'm sure. But let's just rewind a second. You when you were born you weren't breathing and that led to to brain damage and you were diagnosed with cerebral palsy age three, I believe. So obviously you didn't know any different when you were three, but how did your cerebral palsy affect you as a child growing up and going to school and all all the things children have to do?
1: No, so for listeners that don't know, um, cerebral palsy, um, I'll go into a little detail, is most commonly caused childbirth from lack of oxygen to the brain. Uh, which affects can affect numerous different things, but for me, it affects fine and gross motor skills, hand eye coordination, uh, speech. It's it's kind of like my whole body is a, a rubber band retracting. So because of that, I wore braces and cast, and may or may not talk a little funny, but uh, that was just because I was from the south. Um, <laughs> but you know. I was very lucky that I grew up with a disabled grandfather. So for me, disability was quite normal. I wasn't diagnosed till age three, but luckily I was able to get treatment at China's Hospitals for Children. But when it came to general public school or or maybe places that weren't so well versed with people with disabilities, you know, you, you will get looks, you will get questions they're the question mark on top of their head. They, they're not an actual question, you know, (laughs) but, uh, for me, I never let that really taper who I was as an individual. I I dealt with bullies, you know, people saw my cast, our braces on my legs and was like, Oh, that's a, that's an easy mark, you know? But at the same time, I I was very athletic. I played soccer or football. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I played, um, I was in martial arts. I was in all kinds of things, physical activity. Um, So sport was a big part of my life. It helped me gain control of my disability um, that I could utilize it and and grow from it. So for me, when you're in a team sport, it's a family. And you you grow as a unit because you need to rely on each other to, to lift you up. And for me, that, that was a big part of, of my community growing up was soccer and my teammates. And any child, anyone growing up should be in a team sport or, or a sport nonetheless, because it doesn't just give you social skills. It, it, it challenges who you are to strive for greatness, to strive to win and, and to learn how to lose and accept your loss. And I think that's something that we don't always agree with is that we can accept our losses. But I think sometimes we don't learn from a win, but we learn how to win by losing.
0: And I guess when you were first at school in the 90s and and me in the 80s, of course, the Paralympics were happening, but they had nothing like the profile they have now. So the kids in our playground or classroom may not have seen a disabled person, let alone one playing sport.
1: Yeah, hundred hundred percent. And you know, it was interesting in my school. They really isolated the people with disabilities to one room, and and that was kind of a, a thing that I had to fight for was to be in a normal classroom. Because, like you said, we didn't see the Paralympics really in the in the eighties and nineties. We didn't really see people like ourselves on the soccer fields and the 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 basketball courts and and martial arts and. It was something that, for me, having those opportunities, people would even question why I was there at those times. Like, aren't you disabled? Aren't, aren't you? Like, I, I don't want to – when I was in martial arts, they're like, I don't want to hit a disabled kid. And my sensei was like, no, hit him. <laughs> <laughs> hit him hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, it, it, it's, it's kind of that mindset of like, no, I am not fragile. I I'm I'm an athlete. I'm a human. I I can do these things. I can I can push forward. Um, we have this misconception of being disabled makes you a fragile person, and and you know some disabilities do weaken the bones and do make you more vulnerable for injury, but certain disabilities actually make you harder. They make your bones stronger. They make your muscles tighter. They make uh, Make your body work harder to get to that next level.
0: Never mind, never mind. Mentally stronger, of course. Which exactly, you know, we hear about it now, don't we? Actually, the push for workplaces to be more diverse. A lot of the time, people make the very valid point, in in my opinion, that actually a lot of disabled people can actually be very mentally strong people to have on your team, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's sport or something else.
1: Well, it kind of forces you to be mentally strong because you have. Two options. You can either be the a weak, kind of timid, fragile person with a where I'm I've been beaten, I'm battered. I or that victim mentality, you know, when it comes to disability. What was me, why did this happen to me? I'm I'm to lack of a better word, almost pathetic, right? That I can't do these things. Or you have that person that's that's forward and thinking that this happened to me, I accept whatever this is, and I will push forward to make the best of it. And those are kind of really two paths that, that every human shares in their life when trauma happens. Um, but really, it's the latter one that we all strive for. And I, I'm, very, um, I'm very happy that I grew up with a mindset of can't is a decision. You know, we all can say, I can't do something if we never try. As soon as we try, we can do it and we realize, oh my God, it was so easy to do this, but I had to work for it. You know, we all have to work for it. I, I always saw adversity as an opportunity. When someone didn't understand me, I thought I that as an opportunity to inform and to help bring awareness and and just been like, oh, this is what I have. I, I am who I am. And I have the tools to grow from it. And and
0: listen, when, when, when did you begin taking an interest in performing of a different kind, i.e. acting?
1: Yeah, you know, I started acting because of my little sister. Uh, when I was around 12, 13, my sister was around one. We were at a water park uh, in Texas, actually. And an agent saw my sister and I was like, we would like to use her for a Lusso ball campaign. She has bright red hair. Uh, and that's what got us into LA. Uh, 15 years later, <laughs> <laughs> there here we are. Uh, so, Because when I went out there, the agent saw her and saw me, and he signed us both. And I started working on shows like Hannah Montana, Everybody Hates Chris, Weed, Seventh Heaven, Drobot Taylor, a- as an extra. And then... Shortly after working on those, I booked Breaking Bad around 13, turning 14. And I finished Breaking Bad when I was about 21.
0: Yeah, because you you forget, actually, that you're on Breaking Bad so young. Andy,
1: 2006. <laughs> Can you it's imagine? a long time ago, RJ.
0: We're all a lot older now. Oh, my God. <laughs> but back in 2006, before, before you got that role, or even when you got that role, do you remember there being... Any or many disabled actors on TV or film that you could look at and go, Wow, he or she has done it so so I can do it as well.
1: You know, I never had a comparison. I never compared myself to other actors. Um I was it it really didn't seem it it was happening around me so quickly, if that makes sense, that I, I just was in it and I was doing it. And I really didn't have a comparison. Looking back, and and working in the community now, I, I see many actors with disabilities that have always been there. That that probably did influence me in ways that I subconsciously didn't know. Um, because keep in mind, I, I never, I grew up with disability. Right, I grew up seeing people with with disabilities. Um, my mom was in home health and 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 all kinds of stuff. So. For me, I didn't I was in a weird mindset and perspective of how I viewed disability compared to someone else.
0: Yeah. Well actually, I mean, you know, when when we move on to Breaking Bad then, I've always been interested in asking you this. So when the character of Walt Jr came came to you, Walt Jr presumably had a disability or had cerebral palsy even in the script as a concept when it came to
1: you? Yes. Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad, uh, he wrote Walt Jr. in mind of a friend he had in college who since passed away, who had cerebral palsy, who walked with crutches. Um, so my, my character was based on a real person with with a disability. Um, and, and that was something that, it was an open casting. So I saw a lot of people with disabilities auditioning and I saw a lot of people without disabilities auditioning. And, uh, and luckily, I guess I embodied the character the most, um, from from his memory of his friend, and uh, so that that for me was a great honor to to have this real person or portray this this real person, and in, uh, in in his world, and you know, Walt Junior to me is, is a very special character, and I'm I'm very lucky to have such a character who wasn't over talkative, that that was kind of a man of action. Who would do anything for his family, and, and that's kind of so. It's, I, that's something that I like, and I try, I strive to be like that.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if I, if I can ask you two kind of challenging questions, which I hope I hope you don't sort of take Shoot to, it. to be rude. Do it.
1: I'm taking them rudely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first is: um, Were you conscious that you were having to prove to people at home? That you were still acting that this wasn't just you turning up and being being you you know you were still having to act a character
1: yes and no um you know i think there's a perception um about me in the beginning that was is he really is he really that disabled and when i would go into the casting room people would be like oh you you can walk you can you can you can you don't stutter like that <laughs> and i'm like no i i can walk i can talk i can do all these things. Um, And even luckily it works for me in my interest that people don't always recognize me because they think I am more disabled than what I am. (laughs) Uh, So I look at that as a positive because that means I did my job right.
0: Now, since Breaking Bad, do you feel that you are a little bit more restricted in terms of the other characters that you can take on? Because perhaps your disability might limit... I mean, hey, you're not limited by much. We've already spoken about this, but it might limit the range of movement or the range of vocal tones, for example, or, you know, is it harder for you to move beyond Walt Jr. now?
1: Does it hinder when I try to get other jobs? Yes. But you know what, though? I can can mic drop on Breaking Bad any day. Mm. So... (laughs) I'm I'm very happy that I had a show like that that gave me notoriety that allows me opportunities. The only reason why I had the opportunity the opportunity to be and work with Channel Four and work with the Paralympics is because of Breaking Bad. We need to stop looking at it like oh it's we we have to have a diversity hire we have to have this 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 and this and we have to and, and we want to just get authenticity and that's cool but. But how about let's hire people because they're great actors. Let's hire people because they're unique and they bring bring a draw that catches an eye in a diverse way. And I find more often than not we get hung up on these physical realms of of like let's stick that person and pigeonhole him. But we can branch that so much further because it doesn't have to be a main arc. That person could be that person, and we don't have to explain the backstory. And that's what made Walt Junior great, is is you didn't see the backstory of of oh we did we didn't explain how he got CP, we didn't explain all the therapy. Like he mentions it once, but in relation to to Walt, when he's talking about cancer treatment, and those those are the ways that we can bring it in mass media that. Do it positively and show the normality of who we are as individuals.
0: It's a fascinating subject. Did did it Did it strike you at the time that Breaking Bad and your role within it was was going to be so groundbreaking in terms of the representation of disabled people?
1: No, no, no. I I didn't I didn't realize it. I didn't understand what Walt Junior meant to so many people. And and you know, looking back, I I did see people with disabilities on television. But it was a different way of showing disability. And, you know, you have Seinfeld, you have um, Danny Woodburn and Robert David Hall, and now Michael J. Fox. And, you know, for me, I think the closest person that I had to relate to was Forrest Gump, but he wasn't technically really a disabled individual, but that didn't really cross my mind. And I'm very honored that now we have a a Walt Jr. to look at and to not just be... A disabled person, but a pivotal part of a family, a protector, a, a, a doer, not just a someone that's sick or dying or or a, a side character, but an actual individual. And I think as we see in more diversity growth now, you see that a lot more. It's still very catchy. Now, you know, it's very gimmicky in a lot of ways, but I I definitely am very happy that Walt Jr. set a tone for what we strive when it comes to diversity in the arts and media.
0: Now, there are a couple of big controversies I have to ask you about. Um, It's connected to your world. I'll be fascinated by your views. Firstly, we have seen several disabled characters played on screen by non-disabled actors. And I think we'd have to say that on occasions they've actually been played very well and the actors have clearly taken the roles very seriously. But why aren't disabled actors being used for those roles?
1: I, You know, I have no idea. I, I think, I think a lot of times people don't get access to those roles just because we don't know where to get access to. And this isn't just for someone with a disability, this is across the board. I look at shows on television and go, why didn't I even get an audition for that? Our acting industry is a very small industry. Yes, it's a global industry, but you see a lot of times the same people getting hired for the same roles. And the reason why is not because of their great talent, is that they're consistent. And they know that these people are consistent, so they consistently hire them. And I think when it comes to people with disabilities... And the lack of opportunity for individuals that have them to audition isn't that they can't do the job, but we just don't actually have the ability to really cast properly. And I think a lot of times people just get overlooked and forgotten. And that's sad. And sometimes people just don't care. And uh, it's disappointing. The
0: The other thing that can happen is that Disabled characters on TV and film are presented as as tropes. So, some people are uncomfortable with Forrest Gump, for example, or a film like Me Before You, where a paralyzed man was portrayed as being suicidal. Does it make you angry that there aren't more characters like Walt Jr. who just happen to be disabled? In other words, their disability isn't the focus.
1: Anger isn't the term, but it it does confuse me to see characters that kind of devalue themselves um in in certain ways where you could have made a great character there with or without a disabled actor i'm 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 saying in 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 general taking a great character and just devaluing him or making him relatable and i'm i'm doing that with quotation marks um to the general public cuz they're like oh that character's not relatable enough it's like well how do you know it's relatable or not when you only hang out with one type of person you know what i mean when you when you're only yeah, when you're sure. only at the at this one party and every party thinks alike what's relatable to another group or another group or another group and I, and this could be you and me me and me and you, Andy. We we have vastly different lifestyles. We've vastly different experiences, yeah. and and certain things we probably relate on, and a lot of things that we don't. But me and you are at the same party. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know so, exactly what you mean.
1: But so so we we click. Well, what's that third party that that doesn't get it, and and their their perception of us versus who we are as individuals, you know. Is, is often inaccurate.
0: Well, listen, that, that actually brings us on perfectly to, to another big story that's been around in recent weeks, and, and I'll be interested to to hear your take on it. We've seen a lot of anger towards the Warner Brothers film The Witches recently, which is an adaptation of a Roald Dahl novel. Yeah. Now, just to explain to people listening who might not be familiar, crucially, in the Roald Dahl book, the witches are said to have, and this is, quotes, square feet with no toes and claws instead of fingernails, end Now, they may have claws in the book, but they do have five fingers on each hand. In the film, the witches are missing fingers on each hand. Now, a lot of people with limb impairments, including several Paralympic athletes, have reacted very strongly to that depiction, saying it reinforces cruel and negative imagery and will only encourage bullying or mistrust of people with limb difference, What's your take on that specific controversy?
1: I, I agree and I disagree. So I watched it. I, I recently watched The Witches. Um, and I think there's, there's many issues with that film, let alone the six-finger, no toes, bald head, like demon smile grins. I feel that they should have hired people in amputees you're casting people with, um, with an extender and pinky and a thumb. I know like four people off the top of my head that are missing their ring finger and middle finger. That would have been great for these roles. Like you know, they should have hired people with disabilities. W- would that have made it okay though, RJ? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. When you have something that affects the community, you have to look at how can we do it positively it's got more notoriety now than it ever has. And I think this is an opportunity to take a film like the witches, like so many other films that are, that have this now stigma about disability and and start the conversation. This is a conversation starter. What could we have done better? What could we have done differently? Who could we have hired to make this better film? And I, for me, I look at films like this as a positive step for change. Not a negative, but a positive. And I know a lot of people will disagree and say that this film is... is is making fun of people that that um, are amputees. This film is making like they they they're making us look like monsters. And there's a big campaign that says, "I'm not a witch." I don't know if you've seen that. that.
0: Yeah, I have. Yes, just for people who haven't seen it, this is a social media campaign where people with limb difference, yep. including Paralympians, have been posting photos of their arms and hands and stumps with that hashtag. Sorry, go on, RJ.
1: Yeah, but now let's utilize this awareness on i have i have four fingers Mm like i Mm -hmm. I was born without limbs or i was born with two thumbs or i was born with all these things
0: i certainly tend to agree with you that it could be a, a kick up the backside if you like to to the film industry and they won't make these same mistakes again or certainly not in the same way i guess though i mean doesn't right. it point though to the to the wider issue that actually we rarely see disabled people as the hero in films and it actually makes me think that it's possibly only the paralympics that portrays disabled people positively on such a big scale you know we can all sit down and watch the paralympics yeah. and see heroes for for 3 weeks but not in other spheres like film and i think that's that's one of the wider issues that yeah. this that this controversy has thrown up
1: I agree. I, I think though there's a hard. So I don't. There's a bunch of psychological studies on what people find uncomfortable or strange or weird. And there's a big study, and you can look at all the studies on how people view disability, and a lot of that comes to um, amputees, um, little people, um, Down syndrome. Um, the those those more noticeable disabilities, not so much as in autism or depression and and stuff like that. Um, there's many studies, and and sadly, the industry used those studies to target markets because they know seeing Anne Hathaway with with four fingers and a, a, a shark like face talking like with a crazy accent, is going to be a market, right? That's going to start a conversation, and it's going to blow up. They do that intentionally. That's a marketing ploy. Now, they don't care how it blows up, but as long as it blows up long enough to get a return. And I think when it comes to showing people with disabilities as a hero, a lot of times what they make them as a hero as look at that person overcoming adversity, right? The only time you ever see a disabled hero is when they're like in a wheelchair and they're walking or they're, you know what I mean? Or they're like, oh, we were the strength back and he fought through this and now it's an inspirational porn. We need to strive for better and just have people that may have a disability, but that person is just an everyday individual, not a disabled person. Diversity isn't a fad, it's a lifestyle. It's it's in all of us. No matter if you're the typical white guy at the store or you're the, the dude down the street, whatever it may be, we all have diversities. We all have adversities. You may not see them, but we have them. And I think instead of working against each other and trying to climb over each other for the job, we need to create better jobs. We need to create more diverse jobs. We need to create better opportunities and not just create these subpar works.
0: I have this fairly strong belief that every single person on the planet has a disability of some kind and actually disability is or should be a sliding scale really and it shouldn't be a you're either disabled or you're not because everybody has, as you've just said, something that is... um, impairing their
1: life I 100% agree with you because we all look we're born into this world and we die in this world very similar ways and and you know I think I've taken care of all my grandparents that have been sick and they've taken care of me as a child and it goes full circle and I think we forget that
0: just one, one final thing on, on, on The Witches, because we, we should say that Warner Brothers and Anne Hathaway, the star of the film, as you say, have apologized. They said it was never their intention to offend anyone. And Hathaway said she never connected the look of her character to people with disabilities. And she promised that now I know better, I will do better.
1: It's something that we need to, we need to be aware of in the community. And and not just in the disable disability community, but but every community of how we portray each other, how we how we show, and how we affect youth. Because this is a kids' movie. This isn't yeah, exactly. an adult yeah. movie. They made yeah. this for children. So the perception of children when they see that now is going to be an almost a negative thing. You know, for me though, growing up, I always resonated with the villains. <laughs> it it was something i and, and i think a lot of people in that regards will resonate with villains because i find more villains are human than the heroes i find often that when you see the villain and they're and they're striving for greatness or they're trying to do something from pain and and conquest it's it's because of these 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 limitations that were placed upon them right and so for me, I've always resonated with a villain, but I never view that as a negative.
0: I think I think it, it just highlights how every, every individual is going to have a different reaction to this. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think you've touched on something there, which actually some kids and, you know, we obviously don't know sort of the background to it, but some kids actually may have two or three fingers out there and they might take this on as a sort of badge of coolness, even though it's a villain. You know, they yeah. might actually go... Uh, they might play up to it in a positive way. I mean, I think w- we could draw a line under this because obviously we can talk about this for a long time. I think some- something you said earlier is very important though, which is actually, it, it, you know, we can accept maybe what's happened here if something positive comes out of it for the film industry and it makes a producer or a director I or a CGI man or woman think a little bit harder next time.
1: I agree. And that's all we can hope for. You know yeah. the damage. The damage has been done. You know, and and this is this is one of many films. Um, sadly, it was a film with some amazing actors and actresses and producers that that should have known better.
0: Let, let's come back to you, RJ, to finish. Um, what's what's next on the horizon for you? Uh, either in film or, or or outside of film.
1: Paralympics twenty twenty eight. Yeah, <laughs> no, not yet.
0: How pumped are you to have the Paralympic Games in the US and just down the road from you in Los Angeles?
1: You know, I'm very excited to have the Paralympics in my own country. I'm very excited. You know, you know, you know how the Olympics kind of started, right? It was a community. It was to bring the world together. This is not this isn't just some sport game. This is a this is a, a unity event. And for me, that's something that I feel very passionate about and I feel it's so important to have um is to have this this global unity of athleticism and and growth and and different diversities that, that all come together. Um and I'm so excited to be able that the United States is hosting this event, I'm I'm very sad to see what happened this year with with the Olympics. But, we'll be okay. Um, we'll be okay next year. Hopefully, next year. I'm very happy for it.
0: Well, I, I look forward to RJ Mitty wearing some sort of jetpack or futuristic thing, like lighting the flame somehow in LA in 2028, uh, co- or just coming on you know, a drone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> parachuting down from a drone with God. the Paralympic flag or something. Yo, you're I, gonna you know, you're go. gonna
1: jump with me, right?
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll be flying it i'll be, you'll flying, be flying in, in. Yeah. come on here yeah. you'll
1: you'll uh i'll be i'll be attached to the front of you <laughs>
0: <laughs> well one can only dream listen just one final question i think um we've, we've we've covered a lot of ground there and a lot of different issues but just to try and bring together a few threads there into 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 one kind of summarized question do you think the inclusiveness of sport and the diversity of something like the paralympics can actually be an example to Hollywood and the entertainment industry
1: 100%. I I think it's it's a prime example of human the 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 pinnacle of human capability. From everything from disability on I think the Olympics the Paralympics are are are, are really a great example of how able we all are. And not disabled. And I think, um, to be honest, I I really hope over the next years um, that the U.S. really steps up their support and coverage for the Paralympics and the Paralympic team in the U.S. um, I I really think that there needs to be more support when it comes to those types of sports. I know a lot of um, nations do a lot for their Paralympians, and I hope soon that the U.S. can, can match that.
0: Well, listen, it's been uh, fantastic speaking to you. And, you know, I'm not just saying this, but I think you're somebody who has really fascinating things to say on a number of subjects. And actually, I I respect and admire the fact that you come at things sometimes from a slightly different angle to what might be expected. And I think that's certainly the case on some of those controversial issues we discussed. But on the lighter stuff, I'm going to book my ticket to LA. I'm going to find a drone and uh, I'll look forward to being involved in the opening ceremony with you in, what, eight years' time. Come,
1: Come to Texas first. I miss you man. It's been too long. I miss I miss the team. I miss everyone. You know, again that that part that time that that we all shared in in Rio and and working as a unit and really pushing forward was probably one of the the best working experiences I've I've had next to breaking bad in my life when it came to that and you know i i still think back fondly on everything that we experienced even the stress of of waking up super early running to games running to the studio trying to to paraphrase everything that we witnessed it it was truly a remarkable experience and and you know any broadcaster or actor like myself that gets this opportunity to do something like that take it, because it will change so much about not just who you are, but but how you see the world.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to RJ Mitty as much as I did. Someone who has a lot to say about disability and diversity, and sometimes isn't afraid to go against the grain of conventional opinion. Loads of you sent in questions for RJ on social media. Never fear, we've not forgotten them. They can be found in a bonus episode, which you'll get if you subscribe to this podcast. And if you do that, you can also access our earlier episodes with some fantastic Paralympic athletes for you to listen to and hopefully learn from. Next week, I guarantee you'll be sat spellbound as snowboarder Bruno Bosniak talks us through a crash that broke his back and destroyed his Olympic ambition and how he's fought back to fulfil those dreams in the Paralympics instead.